From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop Two Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your co-host, Ryan Trimble, thawing out here in the Worldwide Headquarters Studios, joined today by the frostbitten Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. It is chilly out, and it has been, but I tell you, now that the sun is out, I will take a chilly, sunny day over a rainy, dreary, mm. gray day any day of the week, man. I mean, Indeed. I had gotten really, I was getting down, which there is a term for it, sad, seasonal, seasonal affective disorder for those who get blue during times of gray or during the winter, and it, it had set in, and we were talking about it a lot around here, and so I'm just glad to see the sun out. I can't take it anymore, Sean. I just, I can't take the dreary cold. I'm ready for some spring training weather. I'm ready for some, you know, some baseball to start. Spring tra- training is in full bloom. It is, it is in full bloom, sir. So, well, I'm just glad to have you back because, you know, I looked down and had a text from you this weekend and you had some car issues and you weren't at home. We did. And, and uh, this is yet another reason to maybe never leave the friendly confines of the great city of Dallas, Sean. We just drove to Houston for a wedding. My college roommate uh, my college roommate was taking the plunge. He was getting married finally, the last of the guys to, to take the plunge. And so uh, we drove down. He's from Houston. He's from League City of all places, Sean. And so we drove down. We loaded up the family truckster and, and headed out to, uh, to Houston, to H-Town. And I'll tell you, it's it's you know, it's always an adventure traveling with a wife who's five months pregnant and a two-year-old. That sounds like an adventure. Excuse me, two-and-a-half-year-old. So she corrected me this morning. She's two-and-a-half. Sounds like an adventure, man. Uh, and it's it's even more of an adventure when you break down uh, in Huntsville right across, you know, right next to the prison. And you were on the way. We Damn. were headed south. That's correct. So we were headed south, uh, blow a radiator hose. Uh, luckily, part of the adventure, the good part of the adventure was not only were we across, right next to the prison, but we were also across the street from the great Wiesner Chevrolet of Huntsville. And Sean, let me tell you about Wiesner Chevrolet, and you're going to laugh because there's always an SMU tie-in. <laughs> John Wiesner, founder and CEO of, of Wiesner Automotive Group, uh, was a great Mustang. And I was wearing my Mustang gear, and I was wiping all the antifreeze off my hands, and uh, and the general manager says, oh, SMU guy, huh? You know, old man Wiesner was a proud, proud Mustang. And every time I'd walk into his office, he'd have his diploma over his shoulder, and he'd have his Mustang paraphernalia on his desk. So uh, he was a proud Mustang, so you are in good company. And shout out uh, to the folks at Wiesner Chevy. They got us in a loaner, then got our car fixed on Monday. And so uh, we got safely back to the friendly confines. Well, for sure. Shout out to Wiesner for getting you back here, but I'm making a note to check with SMU to make sure we can kind of up our commercial uh, value because <laughs> we are definitely giving some plugs, our guests, and that's right. You know, every store seems to have this SMU tie, but I'm glad that y'all made it back. I'm glad y'all had a good time, and um, I was really concerned about the trembles. Yeah, there. so so you've had, um, you've been taking in some theater, sir. Well, you know me. I mean, I, I love to get cultured. We have a lot of great arts <laughs> yes. facilities and venues in Dallas, and I had a chance recently to, to catch two shows. 
shows. Um, one, we saw um, Anastasia with the Dallas Summer Musicals at the Music Hall at Fair Park. And I have to tell you, I went in with minimal expectation, not minimal. Uh, I, it just was, I wasn't one that I was excited to see. I mean, next month, Hamilton is be, will be here. So I've been looking forward to that for like two years. But Anastasia is a, is a, a something that, and I haven't seen the movie. I actually have I've never seen that, the Disney classic Anastasia. And so we went um, recently and man, it, it blew me away. The set design, uh, the voices, the lead character. And they had a, a couple of songs. Stay I Pray You is a song that just will not stop. It's been over and over, going over and over <laughs> my head ever since we went. And um, so that, that was great. And then got tickets to the Dallas Opera as well. And we got to go see Manon Lescott, or Lescaux, I think, because it's a French pronunciation. But it was totally in Italian. It was my first time at the opera. I love the Winspear Opera House. And I recently had been saying I wanted to take Malia there. So Malia and I went to the um, production. And shout out to Kristen Lewis, who plays the title role, African-American female soprano, who uh, just was wonderful in this role. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, underscore soprano. She was outstanding in this role. Um, but two things about this about this opera. Number one, it was good. But there were a couple of hiccups that if you read the Dallas Morning News a review of this show, it does a really, really good job of showing um, where some of the, the shortcomings are. But the voice talent was amazing. I did not read in the fine print that this was PG-13. <laughs> this was a PG-13 production. So as Malia and I, uh-huh. this nine-year-old, almost 10-year-old Malia and I went in to enjoy our first experience of the opera, there was a point when it did get PG-13, uh-huh. and so I was not prepared well, you, for that. Well, you were providing the parental guidance, the PG part. I was, yes. Just didn't quite get to the 13 yes, part. Yes, yes. The parental guidance was, uh-huh. uh, we're going to not watch this particular part. <laughs> um, but it was it was a, it was a great, a, a really good show. I'm glad for the opportunity. Love the Winsper. The acoustics are amazing. And as far as I could tell, which I think is why, opera houses are made the way that they are there was no there were no microphones there was no amplification of sound it was just voices it was instruments there was a full chorus in the back so um, anyone who can make it out um, I think it, it would be great uh, to check this show out at the Windspear Opera House, and I think it'll be here probably through this week. This is what we bring. We bring cultured Sean and auto mechanic Ryan. I mean, really, we've got it all here on Deconstructing Dallas. That's why we're a good team, man. That's um, right. Speaking of SMU Mustangs. Yes, We again. Uh, are going to be visiting today with former uh, SMU basketball standout and current DART board member John Killen. That's right. John uh, uh, averaged 12 points a game his senior year at SMU, and it's silly that I know that. But uh, of course you know that. I of mean, course like, I know. How's that a surprise to <laughs> yeah. anyone? Yeah, but uh, really excited to jump into our interview with with John. He's a good guy, and uh, uh, you know, he and some of his fellow board members uh, they're they're doing big things and really uh, trying to lead that organization into the future. So I'm excited to jump in. Well, yeah, we're gonna get to this commercial break really quick and then we will be right back talking with John Killen. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back.
you know what they say, variety is the spice of life. And if you're looking for spicy, look no further than effin' hot salsas. Hey friends, it's your old pal RT here. And take it from me, if you're looking for the best variety of salsas, jellies, and other fiery concoctions, look no further than effin' hot salsa. FN Hot is created with the finest peppers and hand-selected ingredients. And what's even better? FN Hot is based right here in Dallas. And if my recommendation isn't enough, get this. FN Hot donates 5% of their annual profits to the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. So what are you waiting for? Get to the store and pick up your own jar of FN Hot salsa today. It'll make you say, that's FN Hot. Constructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, exciting day today. We have a great guest in studio with us. He is a Dart board member, but more importantly, the 2007-2008 All-Conference USA third team member. He is John Killen. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, you guys, for having me here. Yeah, anytime there's an SMU Mustang, which this is like at least our third SMU. We've had a good good run. Person, second Richie. of the year. Yeah. Suzanne was uh, did a yeah. show on SMU. Yeah. Suzanne Massey. So um, he has an extra pep in his step for these episodes. <laughs> so um, thanks for for being with us today. Yeah, so John, tell us, uh, just tell us how you got involved in DART, tell us about what you've done on the DART board, how long you've been on the board, and how you got to Dallas. Yeah, sure, so um, I got involved with DART really because I I just had a desire to to get involved with the city. I grew up in Arlington, Texas, and ended up going to SMU, so that's how I made my way across uh, 360 over to the the Dallas County side of the (laughs) Metroplex. and decided really to kind of make a home in Dallas. I met my wife at SMU and we settled here in Dallas. I've been here about 14 years now. And because we really wanted to get involved and find ways to serve, I first started serving on the library board with the city of Dallas. There you go. And was tapped on the shoulder because I did such a phenomenal job. <laughs> uh, you know, really just uh, staying involved with the library, asking questions and, and doing a lot of research. But uh, I, was, I was asked if I, you know, consider um, serving with DART. And of course, growing up in Arlington, a place that does not have public transit other than uh, the school buses, I didn't have like a great wealth of knowledge on you know sure. how that might work. But I uh, kind of rolled up my sleeves and did a lot of reading and researching, and, yeah. and have been serving for um, going on two years now. So you mentioned the library board. You have now made it to the big times on the dartboard. But like for folks who are interested in serving, like yourself, is is it hard because? A lot of people that I talk to, they say, you know, nobody knows me. I've nobody would ever, you know, pick me to be on a board. But yet, you know, there are so many different boards and commissions within the city of Dallas. Ryan and I obviously both live in Dallas. So, so just talk to people, maybe, or what would you say, even to people who are interested in serving but don't think that there's a place for them? Yeah. So before I actually um, started serving on the library board, I was, uh, you know introduced to the idea of different boards and commissions through the Mayor Star Council, which is a young professional group for people who are uh, want to be civically engaged. And that's where I first heard about the idea. Before that, I thought if you did work with the city, that meant that you were either a council person or you literally worked for the city at the library, not that there were opportunities for people 
that had other professions that also just wanted to serve in some way and volunteer and give back. And so um, when I heard about uh, the different boards and commissions opportunities, uh, the way it was explained to me was that, you know, our city council people have a lot of appointments they need to make. And so they're looking for people who are willing to, to give of their of their time in an area of interest or just an area that, that they know the city needs help. And so um, I looked on the website. I just went and looked at different vacancies or different boards that existed and saw that the library happened to be open. So I cold called uh, my councilman and um, talked to his secretary. I was like, hey, you know, what do I need to do? I, I, I want to serve library. Seems cool. Take my son there a couple times a week and um, love to get back. And so um, really, you just need to kind of reach out. I think you try to find where there might be a good fit, whether it's um, an, uh, an area of interest, something that can work with your work schedule, because boards might meet at different times of the day, um, and that you're just willing to commit to do the work, which is doing a lot of, a lot of reading, uh, the packets, and um, volunteering, you know, maybe at different events and that sort of thing. But um, there's certainly a space for anyone that, that wants to engage with the city on a board and commission level. I can tell you right now, you go to the website, you'll, you'll see some vacancies where we could certainly use the help. That's cool. And then you said uh, you really dug in when you first said, you know, decided to join the DART board or, or try to get appointed to the DART board. Tell us a little bit more about DART. It, 15 cities. It's a, it's an interesting board because it's multiple cities, not just the city of Dallas. Right. Yeah. So so DART is our regional transit agency. It's covering um, just a huge geographic area, 15 member cities. Uh, it was created 35 years ago. So before DART, there was Dallas's public transit, uh, DTS. And then there were also some buses, I think, in Garland um, that were running. But DART was created as a regional agency with the idea that we could create um, an expansive rail operation as well as uh, well as our buses and paratransit that would eventually kind of come along. And so um, we've been up and running for 35 years. We built out the longest light rail system in the country at 93 miles. We got some more coming with the Cotton Belt, which is going to run kind of on the north side from Plano uh, through Addison, Carrollton, eventually to the airport, which would be our second way of, of getting to the airport. And then we have hundreds of hundreds of buses that are running throughout the city every day, getting people to work and people to the doctor and, and all the entertainment options and anywhere else people want to go in the uh, in the Metroplex. You mentioned some aspects of DART that I would like to talk about here in a little bit, especially with buses and Cotton Belt coming up. But I, I know that you all have an opportunity to take a look at other transit systems throughout the country. I know you have an opportunity at times to go to different conferences related to transit. And so when you look at DART compared to other transit systems in other major metropolitan areas, how do you see DART stacking up? So I think DART's an interesting case because our peer agencies, I guess, in terms of, of where they're located in the country or the number of people in our area, um, we'll get some kind of sister agencies, right? Maybe you look in just Texas and say, you know, Austin, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso, maybe we look at those folks as peers. Um, but we've differentiated ourselves with the kind of commitment that we've given to our rail operations. And so, like I said, we have the longest light rail in the country, and there's not really many people who have light rail in the way that we do. And so our investment uh, there looks a little different from Houston, who has, you know, one kind of really main line, but some, some other shorter lines. Um, and so we're a little bit different. It's hard for us to really find a great comparison, but in terms of just the uh, the general way that we operate as an agency, we certainly are looking at, to those who are trying to make the same commitment to us, uh, commitment as us, as it relates to reinvesting in our in our bus system. Now, we certainly recognize it as a need um, for us to take some time and look at how we might revamp the way that we do buses to to better help get folks to employment opportunities. 
That's cool. So uh, look at, looking across the country, not just in Texas, would you say BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit, maybe the most similar to y'all? Or well, we certainly Atlanta? got our we certainly got our name uh, yeah. <laughs> from BART. But yeah, I think I think Atlanta is is a similar agency. Really got uh, started around the same time as they were getting the Olympics yeah. started up and building out um, their rail system. And, and yeah, BART, Seattle. There there are a lot of uh, agencies that that have a similar kind of dynamics in terms of, of bus with some commuter rail sure. built in. Um, so yeah, I think those are also good, good comparisons. We are here with DART board member John Killen, who is also a Mustang that Ryan is also, after after we get off, is going to have some probably good time memories talking about the good old (laughs) days. But uh, we want to talk a little bit more about, I want to get into talking about bus specifically, talk about some of the fare changes that have happened. So hang with us through this break. We'll be right back. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimmel. Thanks. first steps to walking your daughter down the aisle. So many of life's precious moments are spent on our feet, and every step you take contributes to a healthier heart. By walking briskly for just 30 minutes a day, you can lower your risk for heart disease and stroke. So join us and take the first step to a healthier, longer life. The American Heart Association. Life. Life is why. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are here with John Killen from the Dartboard, also known as DJ Killen. You know, John, I saw you at a uh, Dallas Black Chamber party at the end of December, and you gave me some news that I was, I'm going to say, shocked and saddened by that you are retiring as a DJ. Is that right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word retirement right now. I think my wife would prefer for it to be retirement, as it's a more <laughs> permanent sounding than a, a brief suspension. But um, been DJing for ten years now. Got started while I was at SMU, and while it was great fun, um, now that I have a seven and three year old in the mix, they don't really care what time I get home at night. They just know that when the sun's up, they're up. And so, <laughs> in order to protect my sanity and my sleeping, I, I've decided to take a break. From DJ and your marriage, yeah, yeah and to save and to save the marriage, you know, to make sure that she's happy that I'm. Yeah, she was happy with the money that was coming in, mm-hmm. not so much the full day Saturdays that I might be hey, going for a wedding. MJ made a comeback at retirement. <laughs> I mean, you shot. never know. I mean, you never know. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. But yeah. I think you got like one more gig lined up, and then DJ Killing is like, that's gonna be it for that for me. Yeah, I figure. Maybe by the time my son gets to junior high and he wants to be the cool kid in school, I can bring the equipment back out. He can DJ, you know, the first school dance, and then look I'll at this old in. stuff my dad used to use. <laughs> yeah, you had to, to touch an actual button, you know. Yeah. Never mind the, the vinyl. You just but yeah. wave your hand and make it happen. Yeah. Well, um, back on um, our conversation with Dar, you talked a little bit, or you mentioned about investment in bus and. 
you know, a lot of the things we hear related to DART is about light rail, and that's something that the agency has touted for years. And I know any time I looked forward related to DART, it was around light rail. But you talked about opportunities to invest in bus um, and the bus system. So can you talk about what you found and what you might see as some of the opportunities related to the bus service? Yeah, well, first, let me just say, as it relates to rail, one of the reasons we, we focus so heavily on rail is that when we uh, were created as an agency, we produced a rail map that showed folks as they were uh, deciding to invest in DART or not, what the system could look like from a rail perspective. And so um, with our recent approval of the Cotton Belt and D2, that really completes uh, that early map that we created 35 years ago, showing what the investment might look like. And so as we reach maturity in that plan, we, re- we have to recognize what is it that we can do next. And so the buses is kind of the natural place for us to go and say, this is something that one has has already been existing with DART, but also carries a ton of our people. And so how can we use the same resources that we have today um, to better serve those who are riding our bus? And so, you know, one of the commitments is that in August of 2019, we're gonna have a significant number of new buses that are coming online that we ordered a few years ago. Um, And with that, we're we're gonna couple that um, by doing a a significant change in the frequency which would, at which certain routes run. And so we're trying to create a network of buses that are similar to our light rail. And so, you know, if you go out and find the red line, you know that it's running 15 minutes uh, uh, during the peak hours, work hours, and then maybe an off peak, it's running every 20 minutes. And so we wanna make sure that we can complement that with um, those corridors that, that need that from the bus perspective. So you can go out to a bus stop and you know that it's coming every 15 minutes. Um, and so those are the kind of investments that we're gonna make that you'll ser- first start seeing coming online in August. Um, but certainly as, as much as the board can find additional resources, we wanna, we wanna make those same kind of investments throughout the system. John, I know when you first came on the board, you had mentioned Cotton Belt and D2. Those were two big issues that, that the board uh, was, was looking at. And um, you, we, we talked a little bit about Cotton Belt. D2, of course, is going to be the, the subway under downtown Dallas. And DART has a history of, of uh, you know, the first, I guess, subterranean light rail in Texas was City Place Station. So tell us about a little bit about D2, where it's going to go, what it's going to do, and uh, how it's going to help the system overall. Right. So, so the reason uh, D2 uh, is coming in the first place is that uh, at this point, DART, all of our rail lines uh, kind of converge through downtown, right? So all of them at some point connect through downtown to get to their various uh, endpoints. And because of that, we're really at capacity about how far, I mean, how fast that those trains can kind of come through because they need to pause and wait as they're coming down, uh, coming down Pacific. And so um, by adding a second alignment, which is what D2 would be, we can reroute some of those rail lines, right? So that way two or two or three of those can run on one line and the other ones will run on D2. Um, and that'll allow us to go faster in the future. So right now, the fastest that we can send our light rail vehicles is every 15 minutes. But possibly we could get that down to 12 minutes or 10 minutes if we add some more capacity through downtown. Another good reason that we're, we're focusing on uh, D2 and why it needs uh, to get here pretty soon is that in the event of accident downtown, if something shuts down, that one line that runs through Pacific, our entire light rail system really comes to a halt because there's no way to get around that. And so it would add us some additional uh, capacity in terms of our ability to reroute route traffic. The actual location of where the D2 would go is still um, kind of up in the air. We do have a preferred alignment. Um, and now the issue is 
we're trying to figure out what the cost is going to be and how we can make sure we're going under whatever happens with 345, whether it's at grade, below grade, or what's happening there, and trying to figure out what the funding mechanisms are that are going to allow us to afford um, that project. Right now, we're projecting it somewhere in maybe $1.3 billion. Uh, that's quite a bit of funds. It's a big dig. <laughs> and, and, and the expectation is that hopefully we can find um, a grant from the federal government. Uh, they haven't been too kind at the moment to transit projects, but we're hoping um, that just like the cotton belt, where we're able to get get a great deal on a loan, that we're also able to find uh, find our way into getting a grant to help uh, push along D two. You know, you you brought up cotton belt, and there seemed to be at times consternation around the cotton belt and full transparency. You know, Alamedia, we worked uh, for DART even as they were going out doing community meetings related to Cotton Belt um, in the early stages of a couple years ago. And so, you know, what what was your take on Cotton Belt on the line, uh, whether or not people who lived in the area had a good understanding of what was going on? Is it you mentioned how it was kind of in the original of plans? Is it still viable from your perspective? I just would love to hear your your, your thoughts. Certainly viable because we just uh, closed some, closed some loans uh, <laughs> uh, to, so. to approve so. construction on the cotton belt. So it's definitely going forward. You know, I think actually I came on board um, in the middle of the, the vote for the cotton belt. And so city of Dallas had a, you know, they had a resolution where they said they wanted a dart to make sure uh, or at least prioritize and make sure the D2 um, had a future with Dartnet that it was going to have secured funding. Uh, that led to some turnover on the board uh, right from the city of Dallas. And so I came in in the middle of that, not not the way I think anyone should really <laughs> want to walk into that situation because votes need to happen. We have budgets kind of coming up. But but either way, I think the, the, the reason it was so contentious is because you had the two projects, the Cotton Belt and the D2, and up to that point, um, we had not gotten full clarity and transparency about how we would be able to fund the two projects. And so the thought was maybe that um, Cotton Belt might preclude us from being able to do D2. That ended up not being true. Uh, our staff, uh, kudos to them, they did a great job, our finance team, really working to find mechanisms uh, in ways that we would be able to fund both projects um, without significantly impacting our 20-year financial plan. And so. The board ultimately agreed to approve the two projects together, kind of simultaneously saying, we'll do one and, and they'll make sure that the funding is uh, set aside for the other. As far as actually how the um, the construction and where it's going and, and dealing with uh, neighborhoods and their concerns, um, that's tough. I mean, that, that's a, this is a situation where, yes, I think anyone who moved uh, whose house maybe was abutting a rail line certainly knew at one point there was a rail line that was there. Um, but if nothing's been on there heavy for some years, it, I mean, I could see that being an issue if all of a sudden you think there's going to be super loud trains coming by every 10 minutes. And so um, I know DART staff worked really hard with, with each of those constituents and making sure that we, you know, demonstrated what sound walls would look like and, and uh, talking about vibration um, patterns with experts and all those things. And so, I mean, ultimately, I, I think in situations like this, you're never going to have a 100 percent buy in or um, OK from different groups. There's always going to be someone that's that's impacted. Um, but ultimately, I think DART did a great job in the way um, that we went about our community engagement uh, and the way that we've tried to mitigate uh, any things that, that are going to happen in different communities. And, and so I'm proud of, of the effort that we've taken there. So, John, what about the the fair changes that recently took place? I know you and, and your board members, as you were looking at 
different fare changes, wanted to make sure that your customers, especially those customers who, you know, do all that they can to make sure that they can afford to pay for their DART uh, train pass, their bus pass, you know, and, and I think that was something that you all took a lot of thought uh, and, and, and time to make sure that your customers were treated the, the way that they should be treated. So can you talk about those fare changes that recently t- took effect? Yeah, sure. So, um Back in August of 2018, uh, DART increased its fares kind of across the board about 20%. And as you can imagine, I think if any of our uh, light bills or gas bills went up 20%, uh, that would be a huge hit uh, kind of t- to our budgets. And it, you know, sitting on the other side of the table as a DART board member with fiduciary responsibility, um, we certainly had to look at why, number one, that was necessary. You know, what what caused us to get to a point where a 20% increase would be necessary for us to be financially solvent, uh, as it were. And so um, the way that we looked at it was we we realized that the way our our budget had been set up in years prior was that these fare increases were baked in. So the idea was every five years we need to increase our budget to take care of things that we I think everyone understands. You've got just general inflation that's happening. You've got healthcare costs that are rising at a significant rate and just a bunch of other expenses as a business that we need to take on, including um, our capital expenses and our in our debt. And so we certainly had expenses on our side that we needed to make sure that we were raising funds for. Um, I think the problem was that a 20% at one time just really hurts a lot of people. And certainly that caused a lot of folks in the community to come out because they had concerns about how that was going to be um, affordable for them. Um, the commitment that we, we asked for from staff and other board members was just to say that after this fare increase takes place, that we're going to continue to study the issue of fares and figure out ways that we can mitigate things like this from happening in the future, these uh, large jumps. And so for the past few months, we've been talking about a couple of ideas most important of which is the introduction of a low-income fare program. So DART office offers a ton of different um, reduced fare options for seniors, for students, for those that are disabled. And so we thought maybe a natural uh, expansion of that was to look at uh, means-based ways of, of looking at uh, doing fairs. And so staff's been working really hard with the board members to find a way that we can do that. We've got other agencies that have already shown us how this thing could work. For example, if, if someone is a part of a state or federal program that's already been verified, so um, that might be a Section 8 voucher, that might be something with um, Parkland Hospital, if they've already identified that you're low, low income, then that means DART doesn't need to, you know, secure a bunch of paperwork and W-2s from you. You can show us that card. You can show us your, you know, Lone Star card. We can say, great, thumbs up that, that uh, you would qualify for our program, and we would allow you to then start paying 50% of the fare instead of the full 100% fare. And so that's something that we think um, would impact a ton of our customers that currently are riding the system, but also those who are not riding DART for various reasons. So maybe those who are uh, thinking that our, our fare is a little bit too high, high and so they then uh, maybe get a car, a cheap car that reliable or not, but something that, that they can count on that for the amount of money they maybe were spending on a fare before they were putting it, putting it on a car. And so we want to attract some other customers uh, from DART with this new low income fare program. And, and the board's been working hard on this. So I spent a lot of time at our retreat talking about it and uh, we're teeing it up uh, for approval uh, in this spring time frame for next year's budget. 
That's great. And so if people want to learn more about ridership or learn more about Dart in general or learn more about you, where, where would you uh, send them? I would send everyone to www.dart.org. So that's our main place where you can go to, to learn about how you can get tickets, how you can find your way across the Metroplex, um, Dartable uh, things. So if you're looking for how could I get to the museum on Dart or what's near the Dart rail lines, if I want to make a date out of it, definitely check out dart.org. Um, it's a great resource for everyone in the community. John, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. Don't forget us when the mixtape come comes out, and uh, we'll catch you at an SMU basketball game. You will. Thanks, guys, for having me. All right, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be back right after this. Constructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, big time fun interview with John. Loved having him uh, in the studio here at the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios. Yeah, and we've had these conversations at lunch. We've gone out to lunch with John and yeah. just to pick his brain about transportation. And he's really knowledgeable. He's really in, invested into DAR. He's invested into transportation and yeah. he studies. And I really like that. Guy does his research. And uh, again, shout out to him and uh, his colleague, especially uh, our friend Dominique Torres. And uh, I, I should call her our friend and social media influencer Dominique Torres. I think that's right. Dominique, can I get a retweet on this when I send this episode out? Thanks. I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. So um yeah, so thanks to John and uh, we look forward to continuing to uh, work with and follow Dart and everything that they're doing. Uh, before we go, I noticed that um, you have made a Powerball purchase. Sean, I've got the winner right here. $228,100,000. I got the cash value options. So, uh, you know, you were kind enough to bring me an iced tea this morning into the studio. So uh, when, when I win, uh, you know, you let me know what you need. If you need a latte or if you need some sort of uh, chai tea, just let me know. You know what would be great? I think if you win... Um over $200 million, which will give you a hundred and something million, whatever that is, probably after taxes and all No, that. this is the after tax oh, that's the Oh, that's the after tax number. Oh, okay. Right. Well, you'll definitely be able to afford to get us two microphones okay. for our show. You yeah, get, you I'll get look one into and I get that. one. I'll look into okay, that. Okay, that's my request. If I win the Powerball, all I want to do is record deconstructing <laughs> all the time all the time just an episode per day we will go on our, our road show that we've discussed and we will go to vegas and we will go record on the beach and we'll just talk about dallas stuff from afar i'm in man i am in so um thank you ryan for including me in your powerball winning <laughs> and thanks to john killen for coming in and visiting with us here on Deconstructing Dallas, we, as always, want to thank Mary Woodley, thank Jennifer Pascal for uh, allowing us to do this. This is an Allen Media production. For those of you who are listening, we will ask that you would go and wherever you listen to our show, give us a like, 
give us a review, especially those of you who are on Apple Podcasts. We would love for you to give us a five-star rating. We would love for you to write in a quick review. On social media, definitely give us a retweet. We've got another show coming up with Ken Malcolmson from the North Dallas Chamber of Commerce, so get ready for that. But until we meet again, this is Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.